everybody at Life Church, I want to introduce to you today one of my best friends in the world who's going to be our guest speaker. This is a guy who served on our directional leadership team for over 14 years. He actually served for two years as a full-time volunteer on our staff before we finally made him accept the salary because he absolutely deserved it. This guy built and sold two technology companies before he even graduated from college. He's a guy that came up with the idea of free resources. Church Online was his creation, and he is the creator of the YouVersion Bible app. He was named in the top 100 most innovative business leaders by Fast Company Magazine, along with Conan O'Brien, Oprah Winfrey, and a lot of others. He is a genius in business leadership, creativity, and innovation, and he's one of our pastors. Would you please honor my good friend, Pastor Bobby Grunewald. I want to welcome all of you from our LifeChurch.tv locations, those of you at Network Churches, and all around the world, those of you from Church Online, we are so glad that you're here. Today is a very special day because we're celebrating the launch of our 16th LifeChurch.tv location. It's in Jinx, Oklahoma, and we've been praying and believing that God is going to do something amazing in Jinx. So why don't we give a warm welcome to all of you that are joining us from Jinx right now. Yeah. We are, I'm so thankful and I want to say thank you to our pastor, Craig Rochelle, for this opportunity to come and share with you. I'm extremely humbled by the opportunity. You guys get to see Craig each and every week out front and know that he's just an amazing communicator. And, and I get to actually spend time with him almost every day behind the scenes. And I can tell you that he's the real deal. He's a, an amazing man of God. Um, he's a great friend and he's an incredible leader. And right now he's taking a, a much needed weekend off with his family, but I know that he's watching right now. And so I want to say something directly to you, Craig. Craig, thank you so much for investing in me. Um, thank you for taking a risk on me many years ago and, uh, and believing, you know, in me, investing that way in me. Um, I still think that you're absolutely flat out crazy for asking me to do this, but thank you anyway. Um, the reason that I think he's crazy is that this is actually not something that I do. I do not preach. My, my youth pastor told me a long time ago, he said, one day you're going to be a preacher, and I want him to know that that one single solitary day is today. So this is the day <laughs> right here. I'm terrified. This is not what I normally do. I'm not, th this is not my thing. Um, and so if you want to laugh at me or, or at my jokes even, that'd be great. Uh, just anything you could do to help make me feel more comfortable. But the reality is I'm praying that my inadequacies are overshadowed by what God might want to do with us through this time. Speaking of my youth pastor, he's also someone that had a huge influence on my life, and God used him at just the right time to help lead me to become a follower of Christ. And because of that, I've had this huge respect for him for many, many years. About six years ago, I had the opportunity to reconnect with him. When I went to college, I moved to Oklahoma, and, and he moved on to Indiana. And so I had a chance to go back to his home in Indiana and visit with him and, and over dinner one night, he began to tell me about how he loves Oklahoma City. I thought, well, that's great. I love Oklahoma City, too. What do you love about it? He said, well, I really, really love the people of Oklahoma City. They, they seem really, really nice. And I think the, the whole world over the last couple of weeks has been able to see how amazing the people in Oklahoma City are. 
And then he went on, though, and, and began to describe a couple of the things he liked. And he said, you know what? He said, my, my favorite Mexican restaurant is in Oklahoma City. And I said, really? What's the name of it? He said, well, I, I can't remember the name. He goes, um, and I started to name a couple of, of popular Mexican restaurants. He's like, no, it's not that one. It's, it's not that one. And he said, he said, it had a buffet. And I'm like, a buffet? Your favorite Mexican restaurant has a buffet. I have no idea what you're talking about. He goes, yeah, and it had strawberry shortcake. I was like, I thought you said it was a Mexican restaurant. He goes, no, it's my favorite Mexican restaurant, the favorite Mexican restaurant in the whole world. It's, it's in Oklahoma City. He's like, hang on, I'm going to remember the name of it. And so he's sitting there, and he, and he, and he, he says, well, hang on. Um, ponchos. Ponchos? <laughs> It's your favorite Mexican. He goes, what's wrong with ponchos? I was like, what is right with ponchos? I mean, seriously, for those of you that have been blessed with never having stepped foot in a ponchos, let me just explain it to you this way. Saying that ponchos is your favorite Mexican restaurant is like saying that McDonald's is your favorite seafood restaurant because of the filet fish sandwich. It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. And so I'm standing there going, how in the world how in the world could this man that I respect be so wrong about something? How is this possible? And, and what I realized is that he's never, ever in his life probably experienced a real Mexican restaurant. He's in this small town in Indiana. I'm sure they don't have real Mexican restaurants there. And what he was suffering from was a limited perspective. All he could see was ponchos. He had no idea that there was something better on the other side of that. And so many times in my life, that's something that I've suffered from. Fortunately, not as it relates to Mexican food, but I have suffered from a limited perspective in so many different areas of my life where, where I'm looking at something a certain way, and if I can just manage to see it differently, and if I could just have eyes to see it differently, then I can see something maybe that God wants me to see. And I've maybe been blind this entire time, but, but I've, I've found if I can just change my perspective, I can see that. Let's go ahead and, and, and take out your Bible apps and turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 13. If you still have a paper Bible, you're welcome to use that as well. <laughs> um, but turn, turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 13, verses 13 and 16. And what I want to do is something a little bit different. I actually want to listen to what the Bible app says in Matthew 13, verse 16. Matthew 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. See, in this passage, Jesus is explaining to his disciples why he speaks in parables. And he says, I, I, I do it because I'm trying to help them see something that they, they're not seeing. So I'm telling it to them in stories so that they can see what they otherwise wouldn't see. And in many ways, he's saying, I want people to look at this from a different perspective that they're not getting. So what I want to do today is I want to challenge us in a couple of areas. This will be a very different type of talk <laughs> because I'm different, but I want to challenge us to think a little bit differently about a few areas, and perhaps when we do that, God might change the way we see something, might challenge us, and might do something greater through us. The first question that I want to challenge us with is the question of where are you? 
Now, if I ask you that question, many of you might say, well, I'm at LifeChurch.tv, of course, or you might insert the name of your network church. Another perspective to answer that question, you might say, well, I'm in Texas, or I'm in Florida, or New York, or Tennessee, or Oklahoma, and all of that would be correct. It's just a different way of answering it. Now, it's possible, but I mean, there's a lot of crazy people at Live Church. There might be someone that thinks from this way and thinks and answers the question and says, well, I'm on earth, and that, that is true. Um, we are on earth. It's a completely different way, uh, sort of a different vantage point of looking at that. When I answer that question, though, sometimes I would answer it by saying that I'm in 2013. And you may say, well, that's not fair. That's more of a win answer than a where. But, but actually, when I think about where we are, I think about us occupying a place and a space in time and in history. And, and so I actually think about that as a where. Like, like we're here and we have this spot here on earth that's taking up a place in time and history. Take, for example, this graph. This graph shows the growth of the population over the last 2,000 years. And at the end of the graph, I put a box there to represent roughly the space in time and in history that you and I are occupying on that graph. So that little box represents the time that we're alive here on Earth. Now, you don't have to be an expert at graphs to interpret that graph and say there's something unique that's taking place at approximately the same place and time that you and I are occupying on that graph. The population is going straight up right here during this time. It, it, it wasn't going up a thousand years ago. It's going up right now, straight up. There's over seven billion people that are alive today. And at the exact same time that these seven billion people more than ever before in history are alive, we have all these amazing tools, technologies, and things that are actually connecting and knitting us together as a population like never before in history. So as a church, when we look at that, and our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ, we could say that's a huge, huge opportunity. But when you really think about it, and you think, you know, God could have placed us here at any moment in time in history, but for some reason he chose to place all of us here right now, and all of these tools and things come at the right, at the exact same time, I look at that and say, that's not just a huge opportunity, that's actually a huge responsibility. Like, we are compelled to do something with this. You see, at the, the same time this is happening, there's major changes that are taking place around us. Things that were the same way for decades or even hundreds of years that are now changing just in the last couple of years. Here's a few examples. Take, for example, print advertising. For 305 years, print advertising was the dominant form of advertising until just a couple of years ago when online advertising passed it up. Now, that's probably not big news to any of us, but if we had a different perspective, we'd realize it was the same way for 305 years, and right now during this space that we occupy, it changed. Look at uh, news, for example. For 92 years, for the most part, we've received news from the same types of sources, but just in the last couple of years, we now have new places like Twitter and things where we're getting information and news about what's happening around us and around the world. It's changing right before our eyes, and it's something that was the same way for decades. How about television? 
For 82 years, television programming has been primarily the same where people put together shows, they decide that they're gonna be on at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern or whatever time, and then we'll tune in at that time to watch that show. And sometimes we might just turn on the TV to see what's on. But now just in the last couple of years with DVRs and Netflix and on-demand content, well, we've seen something that was the same way for 82 years begin to change to where now many people want to watch what they wanna watch, when they wanna watch it, where they wanna watch it, and it's changing. My son, he's five years old, and when he was just about three years old, we were driving down the road and decided to turn on the radio. So we're listening to a song on the radio, and he actually recognizes this song and does what kind of a three-year-old does when he recognizes the song. He's sort of dancing to it and kind of trying to sing along with it, doesn't know all the words. The song gets over, and what does he say? Play it again. That's exactly right. So I'm trying to explain to my three-year-old how I can't play it again because it's the radio. And he's saying, yes, you can, Dad. Play it again. And I'm like, I can't play it again. I'm trying to explain this to him. He has no idea. And I realize that my three-year-old son at that time, his entire world is different. He can't even comprehend the concept of not being able to listen when he wants to listen to it. It's just something that's changed in just the last few years. What about the Bible? For 558 years, since the invention of the printing press, we've seen this explosion of printing of the Bible and the availability of it in this format of a book. And that's how we've experienced the Bible for 558 years. Could we be at a time in history where we're in this space and time in history where our experience with the Bible might be changing? That was the question that I was asking back in 2006 at, in a long, long security line at the O'Hare Airport in Chicago. Now you may say, it's a bit strange. Why would you be asking a question about the Bible in the security line? It was a long security line. I had nothing else to do. And at that time, I was processing, could we be at a moment in history where maybe the right use of technology could actually transform how we engage in the Bible. Maybe something that could just affect, not just affect this generation, but maybe generations to come, just like the printing press did. So there in that security line, I had this idea, and between the security line and the gate, I came up with the name Uversion, and, and I'm an activator, I like to move quickly, and so I registered the domain name Uversion.com before I got on the airplane that day. I like to move fast. Now, some people, some people want to know where the name Uversion come from. So I try to explain to them that it was 800 feet of careful market research between the security line and the gate. It's the best name that I could come up with. That's really what happened between the gate. And so there's really not more to that. I've had people actually come and tell me why it's named Uversion, which I'm always fascinated to hear because they like explain to me what the name means and where it came from. I was like, well, I, I guess that's what it means. I, I wasn't there. Um, but, but, to, but, the, but what, what we were, it was crazy about that, though, is that if you had looked at our church at that time, we had a lot going on. We still have a lot going on. We weren't looking for something new to do. And the notion of us creating a, a Bible engagement thing was really kind of far-fetched, quite frankly. We just didn't have a development team. We didn't have the resources to do this. Certainly not something that would change generations to come, but as a leadership team, we began to talk about this and pray about this, and then later in 2007, we said, we don't really know what will come of this, but we'll at least take the first step, and so we developed a website, 
uversion.com, it launched in September of 2007. Now, many of you that have the Bible app don't know that Uversion started as a website. And the reason that you don't know that is because nobody went to that website. That's the reason that you don't know that. It was actually a failure. It really, very few people, I should say, went and visited that website in 2007. We were just about to shut it down. We said, let's try one more thing. We decided that we would design the website so that it would be, could be displayed and look good on a mobile device. Very, very simple. It wasn't an app. They didn't have apps at that time. And so we, we designed this website so it could be viewed on a mobile device, a, a, a smartphone. At that time, there was the iPhone had just come out, but without the ability to, to download apps. And, and there was also a thing called a BlackBerry. Some of you might remember what a BlackBerry is, um, but it was at the time. Well, we designed it to work, and in 2008, we, we built that way, and something really interesting happened. All of a sudden, personally, myself and our team, we began to very naturally engage in God's Word more than we did before. You may say, well, you guys work at the church. You should be reading the Bible all the time. Well, honestly, we didn't read the Bible all the time, but when we had this develop and we could have it available on a device that we had with us at all the time, we just very naturally begin to engage it more. It might be in the morning. It might be at places where we hadn't done it before, like the doctor's office while we're waiting there. Um, even in the bathroom, we're reading the Bible. Some of you think that that's inappropriate, but let me tell you what's inappropriate. It's those of you that talk on your phone in the bathroom. That's what's inappropriate. I do not want to hear you flush the toilet while I'm talking to you on the phone. Read the Bible. It's much better use of your phone in the bathroom. Seriously. Um, but just very naturally, we begin to engage in God's Word. And we also notice the traffic went up on the website. So, so we're, it's really not a hard equation to follow, but at Life Church, this is really part of the secret sauce if there is one, and that is we just sometimes see what God does and just get behind it. It's like a pretty easy recipe, but, but in this case, we saw God was doing something. We said, we've got to do more to get behind this, and at that exact same time, Apple announced that they were making it possible for people to develop applications, which we now know as apps, for the iPhone. So we thought, well, we've got to do this. Let's develop a Bible app for the iPhone. And we said, how are we going to do it? And we had no idea because nobody knew how to build apps. So we found a 19-year-old on our team that loved Apple. And that was enough. That's all we needed was just a 19-year-old that loved Apple and a vision. And we said, let's build this Bible app. So for the next few months, as a part-time project, that's what we did. And it launched, sure enough, in July of 2008, it launched with the App Store among the very first apps that were available. And that was like a Thursday or a Friday in July. And by Sunday, we saw over 83,000 people that had already installed this app on their phone just in a few days. But more importantly, we saw that they were actually opening it and using it and reading it, just like we experienced when we had that mobile website. And so we thought, man, God is doing something amazing here. We've got to get behind this. So, so what was a part-time project for that 19-year-old on Friday became his full-time job on Monday when he showed up to work because we don't mess around. We're going to try to move quickly and, and seize this opportunity. And so you guys and all of us as a church have been on this journey now for almost five years. And you've heard 
uh, Craig talk about Uversion from time to time and celebrate milestones, but it's gone from the iPhone to Blackberry to Android to basically today any smartphone or tablet that you can buy in the entire world, um, pretty much with very few exceptions, you can get the Bible app for free on that smartphone. It's, it's available on all those types of devices. And we have this coalition of partners and publishers and Bible societies that have come together and they've made over 500 versions of the Bible in almost 300 languages that are available completely for free for people to read and use and listen to. And there's all sorts of features to help us make the Bible a part of our everyday life. And so far, those 83,000 people that we saw, or 83,000 devices we saw that day, have now surpassed 95 million devices in just under five years. Yeah, you can clap if you want, yeah. But, but something that I would like you to clap for even more is that those 95 million devices have spent a collective 55 billion minutes reading, listening, and engaging in God's Word. Yeah, that's, that's what we're about, what we're excited about. Now, the problem is that a long time ago, this is maybe a problem or an opportunity, depends on how you look at it, we had set a goal. And this goal that we had set was absolutely crazy at the time we'd set the goal. It made no sense whatsoever. It didn't seem like it'd be possible at all. And the goal was for us to reach 100 million devices by the fifth anniversary of the Bible app, which is on July 10th of this year. So it's just a little bit over a month away. Some of you are saying 95 million, 100 million, a little over a month. Looks like it's gonna be no problem. But I can tell you, I, I know the numbers, I definitely look at the numbers, and unless something extraordinary happens, we're probably not gonna reach that goal. Now, some people say, well, hey, you're, you're close enough. I mean, it was a big, aggressive goal, and 95 is pretty good, or 96, or 97, or whatever it might end up being by July. And the thing for me is that, for me, it's not just a goal. These represent people. And, and I really believe that it's possible that we should, and we shouldn't let go of this because I really feel like there are millions of additional people that could have God's word be a part of their everyday life and that could make a huge impact. We have somebody on our YouVersion team that came to Christ because of the Bible app on their phone and there's story after story of that. So these are not just numbers, they're not just goals, they're people that are using God's word and, and making it a part of their lives. So I don't wanna give up on the goal. And our team doesn't want to give up on the goal. So we're trying to take extraordinary measures to sort of help us reach that goal. So one of those things is we want to challenge and say, could our church, who's been a part of creating this, could we actually be the catalyst to help us press through this goal? Now you may say, I know there's a lot of people that go to Life Church. I don't think there's five million people that go to Life Church, and that's true, there's not five million. But I think that we could be the catalyst through our relationships and through other churches and other partners to be able to reach this goal over the next month. So I'm, some of you are asking, how can we help? And I'm so glad that you asked that question because I, I have a few ideas. So right now, what I'd like you to do is I would like you to take out your smartphone or your tablet. If you have it with you, actually pull it out of your purse or your pocket, put it there in front of you. If you have it, I promise we're not gonna steal them or do anything like that to them. Just take it out. Go ahead, all of our network churches, you guys can do this as well. 
And what I want you to do is if you do not have the Bible app on the device that you're holding, it looks like this right behind me. If you do not have the Bible app, then it takes 15 to 20 seconds. Just simply go to bible.com slash app, just like you're going to a web page. It will take you to the app store. It's completely free. I can think of absolutely no reason not to have it on your device because I know that just having God's word with you at all times will increase the likelihood that you will engage with it and use it. And so I wanna encourage you right now to go ahead and download that. If you're having any trouble doing it, maybe have your, your neighbor help you, um, or if you're at church online, you might be able to have people in the chat that can sort of help walk you through what you might need to do. Now, if you already have it, which I hope most of you already do on your phone, what I would like you to do is share the Bible app with someone that you know, actually everybody that you know, and even everybody that you don't know. I think that's gonna be a requirement to be able to pull this off. Now, you can do that right now by simply tweeting or posting to Facebook that link that I just put up there. You can go ahead and do that right now in church, it's okay. You can use Twitter today in church and Facebook, and you can post that link. Um, you can also go through your contacts and you can SMS or or, um, or email people and share that link with them as well. It's the Bible for crying out loud and it's totally free. So it ought to be something that you guys can be a part of, we could all be a part of sharing. Now things that I do, I actually like to go in the grocery store in the checkout lane when the person's in front of me and I always say things like, hey, do you like your iPhone? I'm like, yeah, I like it. And I say, hey, our church created this, this app um, there's a Bible app for your phone. Do you have it? And they're like, hey, I don't know if I do. I, look, I, I just grab their phone out of their hand and I go through <laughs> and I install it. And I have to make them put their password in, but I get all the way up to that point for them um, to, to install it. And so what I wanna do is challenge you to be creative and of how you can share. But for the next month, I want us to just be intentional, taking time to share this with others. Don't assume that people have it. For our Life Church campuses, we have t-shirts uh, and stickers in the lobby. Um, you might want to get a t-shirt and between now and July 10th, go meet 5 million people. And that would help us if you could, if you could do that. That's just an idea of one way to, to approach it. But, um, but I, I want us to be a catalyst. Can you guys do that? Can you help us? We all do this together? Great. Well, I get pretty passionate about it, so I'm gonna actually try to get back to this sermon I'm supposed to be preaching. Um, when we got started on this journey, we um, heard all sorts of data and statistics about how this generation was the least engaged generation in the Bible. In fact, for decades, fewer and fewer people were reading God's word or making it a part of their lives. And, and that may not be a surprise to some people, but the implications of that, if you really think about it, are really pretty scary. If you take an entire generation of people and they don't know what God is trying to say to them or they don't know truth, what could happen and what can come from that? And so it's really pretty depressing for all the people that are involved in, in evaluating those things. And, and we begin to find hope as we walk through this journey because we realize we never expected 83,000, let alone almost 100 million. And each step along the way, we begin to say, I wonder if God might use this to, to maybe change the direction of that and maybe help people get more engaged and, and, and sort of turn it around. But today, today we actually have the faith to believe that we could actually see and I actually believe we will see the most Bible-engaged generation in history. 
And if you want to clap for one thing, clap for that, because that's actually what we think of. If God's word could be enveloped in this generation, it would be huge to see and think what he could do. So that actually leads me to the next perspective that I want to challenge us with, and that is what is possible. And this is the thing that actually plagues me personally so many times in my life because, because I oftentimes look at what's possible through the lens of my experience or my abilities. And so oftentimes when you're saying, okay, I think this is possible, you say, well, I've seen someone else do it before, so therefore I know it's possible. Or you look and say, you know, I know that I can do this because I know what I'm capable of doing. And even though we hear things like you know, anything is possible with God and nothing is impossible with God and we hear these phrases, even though I know that, so many times I, I find myself looking at a problem, a situation or something that's in front of me always through the lens of what I think is possible. And I, and I oftentimes miss the perspective of what God sees and what he thinks is possible. And this journey with, with the Bible app has been very much one of those things. You know, I wish I could say that, I, that in sitting there in the airport, I just knew one day it would be this many people and all this would happen. And the truth is, we, I just didn't have the faith to believe that. I, I could only sort of see what was right there in front of me. But, but I think God wants us sometimes, he wants to challenge us to really look at it through the way that he sees it and recognize that there's so much more. The problem with the perspective that I have sometimes is that whenever you think about what you can accomplish or think about what's possible through those lenses, you tend to take the credit yourself. But whenever you're looking at and, and realize that there's so much more that's possible with God and what happens is what he makes possible, which is really the story of this Bible app, then you realize that all of the glory, everything has to go to God. And that's why he wants us to see it from that perspective because it's something only he can do. And so what I'd like you to do is one more time, take out your um, Bible apps and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And this is Paul that's talking to the Ephesians. And so let me just read this to you right now. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now what Paul is saying is saying God is able to do so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. And he wants to do that through us so that we can give him the glory. You see, when I think about version in our church, I think that that's just a small part of what God's doing and he is just getting started. He wants to do so much more through those of you in Jinx, Oklahoma. He's just getting started in Jinx. Some of you right now are saying, I think that God just placed me in this job and you're seeing it as a job, but God wants you to change that perspective and he wants to show you that that's not a job, that's your mission. He wants to reach the people that are right there around you. And you may be saying, God, you don't know the people that I work with. And God's saying, yes, I actually do know the people that you're working with. The problem is that you're thinking about it through what you can do and I want you to see it through what I can do and what's possible if I work at my power within you. Some of you have a 
dream or a vision that's inside of you, and, and you're looking and saying, but I don't have the resource to do this, and I don't think that I can accomplish this. And God's saying, look, I've provided everything that you need to accomplish what I need you to do today. I just need to take a step forward and trust that I'm going to provide each step along the way. Some of you are saying, but it might not be what you do, but it might be who you're raising. And God's saying, I want to work through you to raise a world changer. And that's how I want to use you. Some of you are business owners, and God says, I know that you think you own this business, but what if your perspective was that I owned that business? What could I do more through you and through that business if you could just see it the way that I see it and have eyes to see that? Some of you are saying, I can't build an app. You're saying, I don't know how to do that, but I do know how to email or post to Facebook. And, and, and God's saying, look, this device that I've given you, this tool can reach this world. And the best thing that you can come up with is to tweet what you had for breakfast. Why are we settling for ponchos? Why? God has so much more that he wants to do through us. He wants to do so much more through us for his glory. At all of our locations, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful and so grateful for what you're doing here through the church. And we are blessed to be a part of it. We know that you want to do so much more through us. Right now, in an attitude of prayer, there may be some of you here today who say, I know that God is speaking directly to me. I know there's more that he wants me to do, but I've been hesitant in stepping into it. Or perhaps you haven't had the eyes to see, but now he's beginning to reveal to you that right there around you, right where he's placed you, that you have this purpose that he's calling you to, and you just want to have the courage to step into it. And you want to say, Bobby, will you pray for me? Because I want to be able to let God work through me, and I want him to do more through me than I could ever ask or imagine. So right now at all of our locations, if that's you, would you just raise your hand right now so I can pray with you? Yeah, all over all over many hands. God, we are so thankful for so many that are willing to step in and say yes, that they want to be used by you. I pray right now, God, that you will give them clarity on what you'd have them do, that you would give them courage to step into it and trust you and know that you're going to provide for them and they'll step into the small things and then know that you're gonna bring even greater things ahead. We are so thankful in advance for what you're going to do through all of those here who are trusting you, and we're going to give you, and only you, the glory for it. Still in an attitude of prayer, there may be some of you who came here today, and you say, you know what? I know that I need God, but I don't know him, and honestly, I don't even think that God could use me. I'm not even sure that God could love me because you don't understand the things that I've done or the mistakes that I've made. And even though maybe you've tried and tried and tried, you just can't seem to make it right and get it right. And so right now you're saying, you know, this is great to hear, but I honestly don't think it's that God could ever use me or love me. We know that's one perspective, and I've had that perspective myself before, but the great news is that God has an entirely different perspective. And that perspective is that he loves you, loves you so much that he sent his son to die to forgive all of us for our sins, even though we don't deserve it. 
And what he says is all that we need to do is turn from our sins and call on his name and he will forgive us of everything. And the best part is that he'll make us brand new, brand new. And so right now, if you're one, one that says, I want God to forgive me. I want to know what his purpose is for my life. I want him to make me new. I, I, I want that very much. All of our locations, wherever you're at right now, if you want God to make you new and forgive you of your sins, will you just simply raise your hand right now, right where you're seated, right now at all of our locations? Yeah, I see that hand over there. Back there in the back, back there in the back. Others of you right here in the middle. Over here to my left, those of you at Church Online, now go ahead and clap. You click right below me, back over here, this hand over here, yes. Others of you ready to step into that today, right now. I'll ask it one more time, ready to make that decision today. All right, Life Church, we have the privilege of praying this prayer with many today who have made that decision. Let's just pray this all together. And those of you who have made that decision and raised your hand, pray this out loud. We'll all pray it with you. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need you to save me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. I want to serve you the rest of my life. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and everybody loudly claps and cheers and says, Amen. <laughs>